Welcome to the Passel Podcast CMO Series. Welcome to the Passel CMO Series podcast, where we discuss all things marketing, business development, and professional services. Today, uh, we are discussing diversity, equity, and inclusion. As we all know, uh, this is at the tip of most people's tongues, and most law firms have a working group or committee in place to create, communicate, and manage their DEI strategy. Whilst these initiatives are well-intended, they can be difficult to retrospectively integrate into the core values and culture of the firm. However, this isn't the case for today's guest, who is here to share how diversity, equity, and inclusion are deeply embedded at the heart of her firm. We're so lucky today to welcome Laura Toledo, Director of Business Development and Marketing at Nillan Johnson Lewis. And she's going to share with us what it's like to work in a truly progressive firm and how that impacts marketing and business development on the day-to-day. Laura, welcome. Well, uh, thank you for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. I know we in our previous recording we were meant to do, you unfortunately sort of snowed in um, or caught out with, with a snowstorm in Minnesota. So thrilled that we're able to get you today. Yeah, I mean, we still have a snowstorm, snowstorm but uh, I'm safely ensconced at home, so... Brilliant. That is good to hear. Well, um, without any further ado, I'm really excited to obviously get into this day. We've had some fantastic conversations building into it. And actually, as a really nice place to start, Laura, I was hoping you could kick off by telling us um, and telling the listeners a little bit about how you came to your role at Nillan Johnson Lewis um, and specifically about your job interview, because from the conversations we had, I think it will really help to set the scene for today's topic. Yeah, I uh, I love telling this story because it is kind of unusual. Um, so I've been in law firms for about 15 years and uh, I happened to be looking when I was pregnant with my first child um, and I'm sitting in an interview room with um, the woman who was to be my future boss and me feeling guilty. I, uh, <laughs> I admitted being pregnant uh, and I think Jenna turned to me and says, oh, congratulations. And and, and that was it. And I, I remember being very shocked about how what a non-issue it was. Um, and then it it took a little while for them to make a decision. But what they ended up doing was uh, revamping the job description to better fit my experience. So at the end of the day, they made a job for me. And that's how I got hired on. That's absolutely brilliant. Isn't it? I mean, it just shows you kind of from the very outset how they're approaching things. The fact that you know, probably for, for a lot of firms and businesses, the idea of Hiring uh, somebody who was pregnant at the time may be a little bit more daunting. So that's that's brilliant to hear. So let's say like day one, you know, the firm's culture is definitely feeling really quite unique to you. So can you tell us a little bit about the firm's history and, and where that progressive nature of the firm all started, please? Yeah, so it was started by uh, three gentlemen back in 1996. Um, they had been a part of a big firm and sort of broke off. Um, one of them is an African-American man named Don Lewis, who's pretty um, well known in the community here. He does a lot of work for um, the legal community, kind of Philando Castile, um, you know, those types of special investigations. And I love the story. When they built the firm, one of the partners coming on board was a lesbian uh, and she had a domestic partner. So when they were building out benefits for the firm, um, the named partners were basically like, you need to make sure you include domestic benefits. And the person putting it together basically said, nobody else does that. And they told her, well, uh, do that or you know, you're fired basically. So we've had domestic benefits since 1996. And it's, and I, and to tell you the truth, I heard that story two years ago and I've been here for eight years. Um, so I, in some levels, I don't think the firm does such a great job of bragging about ourselves when it comes to that, but it's, it makes you feel good because it's, it's embedded in the culture. It's not something they talk about. It just, it, mm. it is. And so it lives within our, um, it lives within our paperwork basically. 
Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I, what's really notable about this, and I know it's going to continue throughout the conversation, is that these are all very relevant examples that actually happen. It's not just sort of stuff that you've been talking about. These are examples before maybe even DEI was really being considered in the way that it is today. And in, in the previous conversations we've had, you'd mentioned about the firm now being female owned. I'd love to hear a little bit about that as well, please. Yeah, we're women owned. Um, I, it's, it's a lot of work. I, you know, I don't know the particulars of partnership structures and all of that, but, you know, we were, we were male owned, right? Majority male owned. So to be able to move those shares around to make ourselves majority female is, is a process. A lot of firms and a lot of businesses that become women owned or, you know, certified minority owned Mm -hmm. generally start out that way. We went from a male structure partnership to a female ownership. And now it, it's kind of unbelievable, honestly, but it's something the firm had talked about and explored. And we chose women owned as opposed to minority owned because we just don't have the numbers yet. But that's that's our thinking is that being women owned is the first step. And we're not sure what's going to come next, but it was just, it was something the firm aspired to and, and we got it done. And it's we're very proud, I think, of ourselves in a so lot of. Be. And so you should be, right? It's, it's, it's it, when you really think about it. It's something that I, I mean, I certainly don't any, I don't know any businesses that are uh, women owned. And again, you're probably in a real world minority there in terms of having, having been able to do that. And it's such a huge shift, as you say, that you've gone from being male owned to, to women owned, and you know you now got that female owned female owned certification which is absolutely amazing um and when we previously spoke you said that it's not just about that gender it's actually about being equitable equitable across everything and i think you're about to allude to that so how do you keep those conversations going and, and have that open dialogue so the firm can keep progressing um as time moves on and things start to change you know i think that has a lot to do with the makeup of the firm um we're very strong on culture <laughs> and you know like i said i'm not the only I'm not the only employee who they carved out a job for. Mm. Um, It happens quite frequently, actually. I mean, not quite frequently, you know, we don't, it's different for attorneys, but I'm talking mostly administrative staff. It's just, you know, we've already, we're, we're willing to have really tough conversations and we will even, you know, now that we're women known, we go back and have conversations about white men to make sure they're included. Right. Like, you know, we have, new people coming on board and we want to make sure that they feel heard and seen and promoted. Right. And regardless of color or gender. So it's, I, it's just, it's, again, it's embedded in the firm's culture. We are willing to ask the questions, to talk about it, to make changes, to listen to everybody in the firm, not just attorneys. And I think it brings this, it just brings this world of, diversity and you have all of these voices that you know it makes it makes finding a conclusion easier because we just have so many brilliant people who are willing to speak up yeah so it's yeah it's not one person right and it's not just one person driving the conversation which i think we all appreciate yeah and am i right in saying as well that in the conversations we had previously that on that kind of equitable element you approached the compensation in a slightly different way uh, for, you know, be that your associates, your partners in terms of the way that people can structure their time? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, a couple of years ago, the firm decided to have associates choose their hours for the year. Yeah. So, and that is a constantly evolving 
process. So I know this year it looks slightly different. So they're tweaking it. And I, I the idea behind that is, right, that we want to move away from the traditional rainmaker model, right? You know, we don't have people who want to bill 20 mm-hmm. hours a day. We want mm-hmm. people who have lives, who have other interests, but who want to work really hard. So we're trying to figure out how do we allow people to do that, you know, still be able to be profitable and still give people interesting work. So we're, you know, it that that is solving a what 300 500 year old problem however long legal's been around but it's i i love the innovation i i love that we that's what we're striving for because it means that we realize what's going on i mean the pandemic just right it sort of forced you into change yeah 100 and it's it's something that is I don't, I've never heard of it happening elsewhere where you can almost choose your hours that you're working. But as you said, it, make, it makes export, it moves you away from the traditional rainmaker um, in the firm and also just allows everybody to have a little bit of that, you know, the classic work-life balance. And it's just very, very progressive. And that sort of touches a little bit, I suppose, around how culture is influencing those those day-to-day activities for you. Um, you know, but does this sort of translate into the values that you, you know, externally promote towards your clients? And, you know, is that a factor when you're taking on new business? I mean, everything you've you've spoken about so far is is incredible and, and very internally focused. But how does that look when you kind of look outside of um, the firm itself? Well, I think when it comes to traditional marketing, we're, we do struggle with that. Like it's, we don't want to brag about ourselves because we, you know, you see a lot in the marketplace, you know, a lot of big firms can throw money at problems. And I'm not, I'm not saying they're not doing a good job. It's just, we, how we stand is we really needed it to come internal first. It needed, right. That needed to flow outward. It, it couldn't go outward and and come internal because if we're, if we're saying things in the marketplace that we don't actually feel like, what is that? What does that say about us? So we really, really concentrated on the internal piece first and making sure folks were on board, that people knew what we were talking about, that everybody was comfortable, that they have the right talking points to talk about being a w a women-owned business. So, you know, it's you can say whatever you want, and it, it doesn't matter when somebody sets a foot inside the firm, because if they don't feel that, they're going to be gone. And I think one of our firm's biggest strengths is that we have a lot of people internally who love this place. And so it's very easy to see when you have conversations with them, how, like what it means for us to be women owned. Like they're so excited. And and so I think, I think our clients see how we feel about it and, and know that that's, you know, know that that's part of our culture, I guess. Like, yeah, we just don't, we don't do as much externally as we do internally. Sure. I I imagine it just uh, based on what you're saying there, it kind of, just oozes off everybody, you know, emanates out towards, you know, the market and your clients because people live and breathe it. And that's everything that we spoke about um, in our previous conversations. It really is it, it is a firm part of the culture there. And working in a, a nice progressive firm, um, how have you found that's been, a, been for you in terms of enabling you to progress as a marketing and BD leader? Um, and with that, have there been any examples uh, where that's been a factor in projects or campaigns for you, Laura? Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) I am firmly of the belief that the better you're treated at the firm, right, or whatever your job is, the better work that you're going to produce. You know, technically, I'm a millennial, and you could say I should be moving around jobs, but um, I hit my eighth year in November. So I, it's hard to explain because it just makes you feel so good, right? Like, I love going to work. 
I love the work that I do. I love the people that I work with. And it allows me to have this creative range to explore things. So for example, when the pandemic hit, our attorneys were producing content like gangbusters. I'm talking, you know, one to four articles a day. And that, you know, we're a small firm. We've got a team of one and a half that it's not sustainable. So I was able to put together this experience database that I made out of Airtable. Um, and I automated it to help workflow. And, you know, now now it's getting implemented firm-wide at some point. So the firm really allows us to have a lot of leeway when it comes to solving problems. So it's not like you're doing things, you know, that are fun and have no relevancy. It's, okay, you know, this might be a future project. So yeah, go ahead and spend the time. So I spent all this time building this database and eventually we'll get an intranet Mm. um, that hopefully sort of encompasses that. So all that work I was doing for my own, my own workflow is, is now going to be a firm wide initiative. So and, you know, I don't know if at a big firm, I'd be able to spend time working on a database like it, you know, that's not necessarily part of my job description, but I think the firm does a great job of allowing its employees to really choose an area of interest. Like we're the drivers of our own career. Was that whole and, idea and of, you know, bringing your whole self to work, I suppose. And from speaking with you, you are, you know, love your tech um, whilst being a, a marketing-led individual. So this has been a, a chance for you to combine the two. Yes. Yeah, I get to be very creative. I, I'm actually an English major. Um, <laughs> and I do not do corporate law. Like, it's just not my thing. If you've ever seen me at an LMA conference, of course, I'm in, in jeans and a t-shirt. But, you know, I it, I get to be myself. I get to, I get to bring my personality to work and people respect me. I remember the day I set foot at the firm. Um, And I don't think I worked very long and I already had credibility. The sheer fact that I got hired there made me credible. Like, again, you know, not everything I say went, it was just, they knew if they had spent all that time hiring me that I was a right fit. And, you know, I knew my stuff. So I had already come in and they, you know, I had, I had confidence. And it's amazing what confidence can do for you in your work product. So it's, it's hard not to get excited about everyday work now because Mm -hmm. right. It's, it's something I love doing and they, and they give me the room to do it. Yeah. More, more than understand. I think unbelievably exciting. And it's a huge compliment to you that in in the very first instance, they took the time to essentially shape the role around what your skills were. And, you know, so no surprise they've allowed you to kind of continue to bring those to the forefront in what you're doing. Um, Laura, if we were to, to to zoom out, I guess, a little bit here as well, for, you know, for those firms that are perhaps slightly behind the curve when it comes to creating an equitable workplace, can you explain what a progressive culture could mean to professionals in the legal industry? Um, and when you consider that a little bit more, how would it benefit firms and individuals if they were to take this approach, please? I actually think it's all about authentic conversation. Mm. Um, if you cannot have a hard conversation I think you're screwed (laughs) to be perfectly frank, because that's what all of this is. It, it, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, a lot has to surround feelings. I mean, yes, it could be color. It could be race. It could be ethnicity. It's, it's whatever. But at the end of the day, you're, you're dealing with people's feelings. You're dealing with people's lives and, you know, happiness and to ignore that and to not 
have difficult cult, you know, conversations where you might have to look at yourself and say, you know what, that's not right. Or I've been doing this wrong. And, you know, that's, <laughs> that's not the law firm culture traditionally. Mm-hmm. So I think it all starts with just having that really hard conversation. Why are people leaving? Why are our black partners leaving? Why are our women leaving? Or why aren't they satisfied? Or why, when they come back from, you know, maternity leave, do they not have books of business? You know, that's, that's a really tough conversation to have because you're dealing with, you know, fundamental change, unconscious bias. Like, so it, it it all starts with just being real and honest with each other and, and getting it out into the open because otherwise it's just, you're never going to get on the same page. Definitely. I suppose it's, it's just like anything in life, isn't it? Where you're able to have those direct and honest conversations, it opens up uh, the lines of communication a lot more. And actually, who, if you'll just surround yourself with that the whole time, it kind of emanates from there and more and more people get involved rather than just setting the scene of like, this is what our DEI um, initiatives are and this is what we're doing. It's actually living and breathe it, which is clearly the case for you and, and Neil and Johnson Lewis, which uh, clearly is resonating very well at the firm as well. So if we were to kind of to look ahead in terms of what's to come down the line, you know, what is next for Nillian Johnson Lewis uh, when you look into 2023? Um, and have you got any exciting new initiatives in the pipeline, Laura? <laughs> Maybe too many. Um, <laughs> of course. Right? The, problem with, <laughs> the problem with doing a good job is you get more work. So, you know, I what we're seeing is I think a shift like, yes, we want to go out into the marketplace and really decide what our external diversity strategy is going to be. And then I think it's looking internal and using our marketing skills to do internal marketing so that we can better get to know each other. So for example, you had talked about like kind of ways you live and breathe diversity. So one of the things that our DEI committee ended up doing was we have these, what we call DEI moments at the beginning of every meeting. So it's practice group meetings, it's internal meetings now. And it's just a question to get to know each other. So for example, like, you know, what, what is your fall tradition? And it can, you know, they can be kind of silly and personable, but like it, it sets us all equal. We learn a little bit more about each other. We learn a bit more about what makes you know their tick or what makes us different. And I think it kind of pulls us together. It's another excuse to get to know each other. And so that's, that's where we're looking towards is to really, you know, how can marketing use our skills to be able to help drive that culture internally as well. You know, we tend to be much more external focused or business development focused. And I think that's an area we can help with. And then we had some exciting new hires in our admin team. Uh, So we hired a, she's a senior financial analyst, but she's really looking at pricing and profitability. And like, you know, we don't always do a good job of bragging about ourselves and commanding high rates. You know, we're in the Midwest, so we tend to be lower than either of the coast, but so it's it's things like that where we're we're using strategy and hiring key people to keep that culture. So the other um, person we hired is a chief talent officer for our attorneys. Oh. Yeah, nice, super cool. So she's going to help them with their career planning. So like, are you doing the right kind of legal work? Do you have the skills that you need to do in order to do this legal work? What does your workload look like? And I think that's going to help the retention and culture piece. So we're really, you know, you can't do marketing anymore without DE&I. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's part of it now. So I think we're really trying to figure out what the next thing is going to be. And again, not just women owned, is it minority owned? Is it, you know, 
we're rethinking women's events. Do we need, you know, we, again, we want to be more inclusive, which includes white men. So, so these are the things that we're thinking about just really kind of outside the box. Like what? Yeah. I love I I, it's for me. What just comes through so much is it's, it's not paying lip service to any of these things. It, it's so genuine uh, and it's so easy you know if i take myself in any environment to kind of talk about it but actually if you're not just living and breathing it daily how's that kind of filtering out into into what you're doing and that's why i love what you're doing at the firm um just actually bringing upon you know, mentioned those new hires and sort of some of the exciting things that are coming down the line for you do you when it's in the hiring process how much does i guess um the dei element come up is that something that gets discussed or is it kind of you know yourself and other senior individuals get a feel for it in the way that maybe someone speaks i you know i'm not always privy to the hiring process but if you i mean i if i look at our hires they're far and away diverse candidates Mm. um i we you know again we're pretty big on culture so like we really look for people who get along with us who and who you know, like I said, we, people in admin are really drivers of their own career and that, right. You, you can't come in and just, you know, follow along necessarily. That's just, you know, we need a driver, somebody to shape the program. So that's kind of the, the type of person that we're looking for. And it's a lot of word of mouth. So we, we, when we hire out, it's, we make sure they come in, they meet our attorneys um, or, Again, it's a lot of word of mouth. It's people that we know, mm-hmm. or we meet people and we're like, oh, we can see how you fit in. Mm-hmm. That's how I think we got this chief atta- attorney talent officer. She is still a practicing attorney, but she's been, I think she was GC of St. Thomas here in Minnesota. So she's been part of higher education and is just like this brilliant woman. And she wants to come in and, and coach lawyers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll let you do that. You know, so she's a friend of our CEO and you know, it was just... It's another good example of, uh, I guess, a little bit like your story of shaping something to somebody's desire, ultimately, when it comes to landing that you're still able to do your normal day job. Actually, we can fit X, Y, and Z into into the role as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, same thing. Our senior financial analyst isn't actually like a true finance person. She's a businesswoman, mm. which I love because when she sets the rates, like her job will then be on the business side, Right. I love to see the evolution of this because I think the people who are doing the hiring are just are really smart in looking at the person. Like we have an idea for where, like what we need in terms of the job, but really it's about the person and what they bring and what their passions are. Mm -hmm. So yeah, can you do the job, but you know, can you make it into something that's yours? I, I think that's the question we tend to ask. Yeah, of course, of course. No, that's, that's absolutely fantastic. And thanks so much for that that insight into it, Laura. Um, it comes to the final question. And, you know, this is one that is very much around advice. And there's been some brilliant takeaways so far. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say here. But as I say, that final question, you know, to wrap things up would be, you know, what's your one uh, piece of advice to other marketing and BD leaders looking to embed their DEI values into the firm's culture? I think don't get discouraged. You know, I... It's been a while since I've been in other law firms and I think, you know, sometimes they can be very insular. So, you know, you hop on board a law firm and you think that that's how all of them are. You know, it, again, I don't come from a conservative culture. I'm, I'm weird. I'm out there. I have a big personality. And I knew if I wanted to stay somewhere for a long period of time that, you know, they would need to deal with that essentially. And 
again, I like that I can come to this place and be myself. So, you know, don't, don't give up on finding that workplace. If your current one doesn't let you do that, there are places out there. Keep talking, Mm. keep saying things, you know, this is one of those, I, I guess I don't see the world very black and white often, but this is one of those black and white things to me that if they don't have that, then they're not a good workplace. Like you need to go somewhere else. There's just, there's no excuse anymore, you know, to not have people be equal. Like I remember being at another law firm where it was clockwork, where a woman would go out on maternity leave and come back and her book of business was literally gone. They were a shareholder and, you know, now they go back down to associate or whatever because their book of business is gone. Mm. Just unbelievable. I Not, not very, not very good uh, place to be when it comes to that, is it? No. And I, you know, things won't change unless people change them. So keep, keep doing the work. Just keep doing the work. Keep keep being a trailblazer is is what I'm I'm taking from that and, and find what works for you. Yeah, yeah. Don't you know? Don't rock the boat to rock the boat. I'm known to do that, but <laughs> you know, it's there are places out there, and I I think the workplace is changing because of the employees. It just has to. Mm-hmm. The pandemic taught us that that culture is not sustainable. Certainly, I think if I've learned learned anything from from the conversations with you building into this and, and the conversations day, is that you know it is about as you said earlier, like having those honest conversations, but really just like live and breathe it. You know, if it's something that you're wanting to drive, the more that you're living and breathe it, the more that it's going to impact everybody else around you, and that's only going to be a positive effect. So I I, I love all of that, and I love everything that you shared with us, Laura. Today has been brilliant. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, brilliant. Well, look. Absolute pleasure to have had you on the main bulk of the podcast talking through everything. Uh, as you may know, we have a little tradition of doing a bit of a quick fire round at the end just to get to know you a little bit better. I know throughout this, your personality has massively come through and that's why we're so excited to record this because it's, <laughs> I think, in many ways incredibly personal. So um, to kick us off in terms of this quick fire round, what's your favourite business and non-business book, please? Business book? Oh, uh uh, it by Stephen King. I'm a huge horror reader. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I read business books. <laughs> hey, don't worry. You're, you're not. You're not the first one to say that, and, and won't be the last. So as long as you're immersing yourself in in fiction, that's what I love. I'm, I'm a big horror. Yeah, fan. I I escape. I read to escape. So yeah, no, it's, it's brilliant. Um, second would be what was your first job? Dairy Queen. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, what <laughs> makes you happy at work? Uh music. I love blasting my music. I'm sure that everybody appreciates that when you're in the office then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, what are you listening to at the moment? Is there sort of podcast, music, audio books? Oh, I have a list on Spotify that I've kept for about 10 years. It's my liked list. Um, it actually got me through radiation treatment randomly. Oh, nice. So they, they get to play your playlist during radiation treatment. So all the nurses enjoyed my random selection of music. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's something that's important to you. So that's what matters, particularly with everything that you went through there. Um, and the final question is, where is your favorite place to visit and why? Oh, my God. Favorite place to visit. I love I love cabins, I think. Uh, Minnesota, so you can drive a half an hour anywhere and get to some kind of woods, forest. I love lakes. Um, so summer, you'll find me at a cabin on lake. With the dogs as well, I assume. Yeah, mostly kids, but... Uh, <laughs> Lovely. Um, Laura, look, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I've thoroughly enjoyed this uh, and I hope you've enjoyed it too. 
I did. Thanks. It's been nice chatting with you. Brilliant. Thank you very much.